Hello and welcome in to the Hoopstradamus podcast. Can you believe it? It's playoff time. It's here. And we're running the triangle offense today with a couple of fan favorites, Basta Hadwala and Gabriel Wilkins. How are you guys doing today? Feeling good, feeling great. You know, it's Friday, payday, NBA playoffs on the way. It's going to be some big time games and action, you know, going down starting tomorrow afternoon. And this is what it's all about. You know, this is when the game slow down. This is when you really get a chance to separate the true superstars from the stars and the men from the boys. Well put, well put. And that's definitely going to be a theme this year, especially. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it always seems to be the case in that first round, too. It's some of those teams just get slapped around. It is what it is. Abbas, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to it. It's been a pretty – uh. The last month of the season always feels like such a slog. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be really nice to uh, get back and watch some playoff ball. I mean, we already got our little preview with that Warriors-Lakers uh, uh, game the other night. So yeah. uh, if, if if that play-in game was that good, granted it's two teams that probably shouldn't have been in the play-in. Uh, if that play-in game was that good, then uh, it's going to be a really nice playoffs this year and I think both both conferences have some really good teams. So I think even even these first round matchups are going to be really good. And you mentioned that playoff or the play in game between the Warriors and the Lakers and what a game that was. And tonight uh, is Friday. We're recording this on Friday. It is 420 here uh, central time. And. It's going to be Grizzlies Warriors. So this is a playoffs podcast, not a play in podcast. But before we start with the Eastern Conference, let's go around the room. Who do you have winning that game tonight? By this point, by the point uh, people will be listening to this, that game will have probably wrapped up, though. So uh, put on put on your uh, future telling hats or whatever and uh, let it rip. I'm going to go to state. You know, uh, yeah. I, I like Memphis. Don't get me wrong. Very competitive ball club. What Taylor Jenkins has managed to do with that team has been nothing short of impressive as a head coach, especially, you know, when you have one of your top stars in Jaron Jackson Jr. out for the majority of the year. John Moran holding it down. Desmond Bain, the rookies, played some impressive basketball. Dylan Brooks has had a career year alongside of Cal Anderson. But I just feel like for the second year in a row, being in this playing format, going up against a playoff team that has championship level experience this time around, unlike Portland last year, but still a playoff experience, battle tested group of veterans. I just think it's too tough to overcome, especially asking them to go out on the road and in the midst of a win that they got against the Spurs, that was a big time win late for them and a good experience for them, but I, I don't know how much that's going to help them against this Warriors team tonight, who I think they'll come out even more motivated knowing what happened at the Staples Center just 48 hours ago. Yeah, I would agree. One more name I want to throw in there is Grayson Allen, who's really emerged as a really nice player on both ends, uh, turned into an excellent shooter, and he's known – for more than just the guy who trips people now, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Taking a J.J. Reddick school of business route. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Abbas? 
Oh, Warriors. I mean, I like we've said, Memphis is good, but Memphis is young. Uh, the Warriors have Steph Curry, mm-hmm. and uh, I nobody has had an answer for him. So yeah, I haven't. I I, I don't see them losing. There, there's no way they're going to lose tonight. Um, I feel like they could. It could end up being close, but but I think Warriors for sure. I I think so too. I think they blow them out tonight. I think it definitely could be close. Uh, Memphis is super nice, and they got a bright future. I love Jaron Jackson, and I hope he stays healthy next year. He's really one of the brightest young stars in the NBA, in my opinion. I think that guy has superstar potential, and that's a really well-balanced team. But the pedigree of the Golden State Warriors – and even without Clay Thompson, you know, Draymond Green is just like a Swiss army knife of a basketball player. And he's going to be able to get his, you know, 15 assists and his four points and his nine rebounds or whatever crazy stat line he cooks up with. And I think that the Warriors do move on to face the Utah Jazz. So moving on to the Eastern Conference, uh, on the other side of the play, and it was the Washington Wizards blowing out the Indiana Pacers, the fourth time they beat the Pacers this season to make it a clean four and zero, and we could talk about the Pacers at length, I'm sure, but we're gonna have to talk about the Wizards and talking about the Wizards going against the number one seed, Philadelphia 76ers. I'm gonna tip this one off because I have some things to say right off the bat here. Number one, Washington is underrated. Uh, Washington is averaging 129 points in the month of May. They're first in the NBA in pace. Russell Westbrook is on a tear. He's having one of uh, the best stretches of his career, and that's saying a lot for a guy who's had some absolutely ludicrous stretches. I like their role players. I think Rui Hashimura has uh, really blossomed with Westbrook. Westbrook's made him way better. He's helped take him to the next level. Uh, Davis Bertans has been uh, really nice all season and Daniel Gafford has really found a home in Washington as well. And he said that that was the best possible thing to happen for his career to be traded to Washington. What a perfect fit for him. Bradley Beal though, still maybe dealing with a bit of an, a hamstring issue. And unfortunately I've said all this just to say that this is an awful matchup for the wizards. I think it could be a sweep and I don't want to disrespect Washington because this is a team that got off to a horrendous start and got close to being 500 after starting the season, I believe five and 14, but they really turned it around and they're one of the hottest teams in the NBA, but they're kind of a one trick pony. They're going to try to outrun you. They're going to spray threes. Uh, They're going to get a lot of transition looks, but they're not necessarily a, great three-point shooting team. They only shoot about 36%, which I believe is below the league average. And they just play fast. And I think one of the problems with playing fast against the Philadelphia Sixers, is the Sixers force their opponents into the second most turnovers per game. And so if you are a team that has to play fast, sometimes speed means slop. And so if things get sloppy, things will get out of hand. And you've been able to see the Wizards kind of like go ice cold for chunks at a time. They're a very streaky team within that 40 minutes of basketball. And I don't think that that's going to get the job done against a different animal 
of the Philadelphia 76ers. This isn't the Brett Brown Sixers. This is the Doc Rivers Sixers, and they're a little bit tougher. Uh, They're a little bit more cohesive. Tobias Harris has definitely found his role within the team, and they've given him a little bit more creative license. And, of course, the Seth Curry pickup has been huge, too, because this is really an elite defensive team and a much improved shooting team. Even though it's not J.J. Redick, they've kind of replaced that missing element that wasn't there last year. They didn't have that guy to create all that space for Ben Simmons. They had a really solid defender in Josh Richardson, but I think this makes a lot of basketball sense. They're huge. And I think I'm going wizards and five, maybe, or I'm sorry, sixers and five, maybe four. Yeah, that's about right. And then the one part that you got to add to it too, Adam is this. The Sixers' size advantage over Washington is going to prove to be a big issue for the Wizards alone. Absolutely. Like, you know, we talk about Embiid. I don't think he he won't just be good this series. He'll be great. But while he may not take home Defensive Player of the Year or the MVP award more than likely, I do expect him to go for the numbers that you saw him generate in the regular season against Washington when he posted 39-3 and on a 60.4% shooting mark from the floor. You know, I, I – I don't know who you put on. Daniel Gafford, don't get me wrong. He's been impressive in Washington, playing off of Westbrook and Bill, two guys that not only can get their scoring, but can create and set other guys up as well. And, and Gafford's been a huge beneficiary of that. It, but defensively, while I, I do see you know, him growing on that end, that's a hell of a matchup to ask for Daniel Gafford, a second-year player in this league to take on a guy, Joel Embiid's stature, who for the first time in a long time is entering a playoff run fully healthy mm-hmm. alongside of Ben Simmons, who will also cause hell and havoc whenever they seek to try and play that helter-skelter, fast-paced play. You know, and one thing people don't think about with Washington is this. Yeah, Washington leads the league and two-point field goals made, I believe, or two-point field goal percentage, but they only finish a convert around like 9.6% of their looks in the fast break game. Mm. If you're going to take down a team like Philadelphia and you have points in transition that you're losing, good luck. It's, it's going to be a, a long day for you at the office. And I just think Philadelphia right now, they have too many weapons and be – Prior to, like, the last week of the season was putting up, like, 28 points in 28 minutes. Matisse Thibel has grown as a defender. Everybody loves to talk about how Ben Simmons is the best defender on the Sixers team. When I look at some of the highlights Thibel has put together, roaming around the floor and whatnot, to me, he's looking like the guy that is really going to be the future defensive player of the year over there and is going to be a major impact player in the playoffs coming off the bench for this Sixers team. I, I just – I like Philly a lot right now. I don't think they're the, the favorite to win in the East, but I tell you what, if you you took the Brooklyn Nets out for the equation, they, they damn sure would be. I would agree with that. I mean, there, yeah, we can get a little bit of that more. Bucks might have something to say about it, but I, I agree, especially with it. You're talking about size, and the Sixers have the ability to play the Wizards' breakneck speed game. And Joel Embiid, that's the center with serious guard skills. And so, uh, yeah, they're going to be 
looking for answers throughout the entire series just to solve the, the riddle that is Embiid alone. And they're not going to find one because they don't have one. And they're the best home team in the league. That's Good another point. thing people are not thinking about. Like, yeah. you, 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 you cannot get down in Philly early. You do, they'll pounce on you. And they have the best starting five unit in the league. When you look at the numbers, like I'm looking at the numbers right now, six is starting lineup with Simmons and B, Harris, Seth Curry, and Danny Green. They played 32 games together this year. They were 27 and five. They were unbeaten with a 16 and 0 record at home. And it's in his 656 minutes. They outscored opponents by 14 points per 100 possessions. That's the sixth best mark among 30 lineups that have played at least 200 minutes together or more this season. What do you think, Abbas? Yeah, I mean, five games seems pretty uh, pretty straightforward, maybe four. I guess, like, the, the biggest weakness with Washington is they don't have anybody on the perimeter who can defend. And yeah. Jason Tatum really just showed us that, showed it again, and then showed it again all in one game. <laughs> uh, they don't really have to deal with that against Philadelphia. So that's like the only thing I see. I mean, yeah, you got to deal with Tobias Harris, but Tobias Harris is not Jason Tatum. Um, it'll be fun to see Robin Lopez and, and Len and then Gafford pretending to fight Embiid. Uh, but I mean, five games seems generous, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be like Philadelphia. I think Miami not getting the four or five seed is kind of going ahead. I think that benefited Philadelphia more than anyone because they're just going to waltz into the, into the conference finals. I don't think they're going to have their they, 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 I don't think they're going to have any trouble with Washington except maybe one slip up. Uh, if that, and then I, I don't think they're going to lose many games in the second round either. So I think Philadelphia is Philadelphia is going to, they could sleepwalk into the conference finals at this point. Uh, yeah, but you got to take it one game at a time. This is the NBA playoffs, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and you got Russell Westbrook over there. You know, a guy that's a triple-double machine, and you got Bradley Beal, who, you know, finished second in the scoring race this think, year, who I mean, you know is going to have a big game or two in this series. I don't think the Wizards have enough scores to, you know, overcome Philadelphia's defensive prowess. However, I do think Washington, once the series shifts to the nation capital, you will see some games, maybe game three, game four, where it, it, they have the, a moment where they make a couple of runs and so forth. But I do agree. I don't think that it's a, a series that definitely goes over five games. And I, I and personally, I think the Sixers will sweep it. Yeah, I mean, I even Beal, I mean, I, you got to think that hamstring is still an issue. It, is. it looked like an issue against Boston. Yeah, And it's going to look like an issue when you're getting guarded by, uh, you know, Thibault or Simmons or Danny Green or all these defenders they can throw at you in Philadelphia. So I, I don't I don't expect Beal to be 100 percent and he's going to be a lot worse than 100 percent when he's getting guarded by those guys. Uh, so, like, yeah, if, if they sweep them, I don't think anybody in the world is surprised. And I think that Westbrook is going to play his heart out in the problem, though, the, what prevents him from being someone who's going to be able to win them a game, and maybe he does win them a game, you know what I mean? If they win a game, it's going to be on Westbrook's heroics. But what makes Westbrook special isn't necessarily his ability to score the basketball and not to say he's not a good scorer. He's a really good scorer. But 
when he's at its best, he's setting up his teammates. And I expect to see, you know, he's going to get his alley-oops with Daniel Gaffer and he's going to set up Bertans and Ish Smith is going to be running like a cat at 2 a.m. sprinting around the floor. But the problem is I don't trust the other players, the role players on Washington to hit those shots, especially against the athletic length uh, that they're going to be facing defensively. Sixers have an ability to lock down. So moving on to the next series here, this one is going to be crazy. I think this one could go either way. Both these teams are 41 and 31. Both these teams missed the playoffs last season. And both these teams have a completely different identity than their opponent. It is the defensive juggernaut, New York Knicks, best defense in the league. Maybe the most improved player in Julius Randle against the offensive firepower of the Atlanta Hawks who recovered from a really rough start, but are a completely different team under Nate McMillan. And one thing that also should be observed is that they are healthy. Now they had a lot of injuries and they're still not perfectly healthy, uh, but they had a lot of injuries early in the season and that really hurt them. And they've been cooking since getting relatively healthy. And this one, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I think it's a lock to go seven games. We're going to see overtime. It's going to be a ton of fun. And I think it could go either way. I'm leaning towards Atlanta though. This is going to be a very interesting series. You talk about two teams that not only missed the playoffs last year, but New York hasn't been in the playoffs since 2013. This is their first time being there in eight years. Atlanta, this is their first playoff run in five years. So you put all that together and you see the young stars that are leading the charge for both of these franchises. I'm just interested and I'm very excited personally to see my man Trey Young on the playoff stage. Here's a guy that so many, you know, scouts and talent evaluators, they try to overanalyze too much to a fault and label him as a bust and say that his game wouldn't translate to the NBA, saying that, you know, Atlanta made a huge mistake for trading Luka over him. And when I look at that trade, that might go down as one of the most legendary trades in draft day history mm-hmm. um, with the way that both of their careers have played out thus far. I think Trey Young is was an all-star this year, deserving of that honor, averaging at least 23-9. and nine. I don't know if the Knicks have an answer for him, but I will say this. It will be a seven-game series, but I'm leaning right now towards New York, and i tell you why. That garden crowd, with them finally loosening the restrictions, allowing at least 5,000-plus to be in attendance, if Julius Randle can keep this impressive streak of basketball that he's been playing together up in the playoffs, man, they Collins and Capella going to have their hands full. Granted, I think they can do the job, but they're going to have their hands full with him. I think that New York's bench is a little bit more deeper than Atlanta's bench as well. You know, Derrick Rose, the sixth man of the year finalist, has been playing some impressive basketball lately. Showing, you know, I don't want to call it the vintage D. Rose, but turning back the clock, if you will, on a couple of opponents, showing that, hey, I still can play this game at a high level. I'm just in a reduced role now, but still getting to my spots, getting my buckets. And I'm actually playing some defense, and I'm locking up. 
and I'm being that leader and that vet that guys like Emmanuel quickly need me to be, who's also a guy coming off the bench for New York under Tom Thibodeau and has had some impressive success coming out of Kentucky, uh, hitting the league, another young, you know, fun rookie to watch. I, I just think they, they, they got a lot of pitched up over there, man. And I, I think that's going to prove to be the, the X factor in this series is which team can hold their own when their starters are rested. Which second unit is going to be the best? Because we 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 know the stars are coming to play. I, I don't doubt that. Interesting. Uh, now, a stat here for the Atlanta Hawks. There's only one team or two teams. Uh, okay, there's a few teams. Well, the, the Hawks only shoot uh, 33.7% from three against the Knicks. So I do think that they know how to take this team out of their element because this is a team that's completely predicated on being able to space the floor. And like I said, I could see this one going either way, but you make a really good case for the Knicks here, especially uh, with what you're saying about Julius Randle and the confidence that Derek Rose is playing with right now is taking him to uh, a next level. And I think he's going to be very hungry as they approach the postseason. Definitely. Because this is the first time in two years that he's had a chance to play in the playoffs and he's actually playing on a team that's a top four seed, you know, in the Eastern conference and has captivated and turned a lot of heads, you know, in Gotham city. But to to get it to, to get a hawk some you know credit, if you will, when the Knicks won most of those regular season affairs, Lloyd Pierce was on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Now you got Nate McMillan over there, a, a proven coach, a, a veteran coach in this league who knows how to get a lot out of young talent and has managed to get that Hawks team back on track to the expectation in which that franchise and ownership group and Anthony Wrestler and Grant Hill and them had, you know, going into the this season. But I I, I like the Knicks, though. I, I really do. I, I like them in this series, in a, in a hard-fought seven-game series. I, I definitely think it goes the distance. I think you're going to see some moments where you're going to have both teams going through cold spells and stretches late in games. And usually when that happens, Defense wins. Knicks yeah. that had the best defensive team in the league, right? Knicks, yeah. you know, at home when, when games get close, Derrick Rose has been able to get them key valuable buckets late over the last month and a half or so. The way I see it, hey, I like the Knicks' chances of advancing into the conference semifinal. What do you think of boss? You know, I kind of flip-flop in my head with this series all the time. Um, I, I Honestly, I kind of lean Atlanta, and, and I'm notorious for kind of hating Atlanta. I, I, didn't, I didn't really like their team before the, before the year, and they proved me right for half the year before Nate McMillan took over. Um, but honestly, I, I, feel like they, I feel like they can win this series. Uh, if John Collins is guarding Julius Randle a majority of the time, the Knicks are going to win in like six, <laughs> but I think having Hunter back will be really good. I think Hunter can, will get some tries on Randall, even if he is maybe not as strong as Randall. Um, I mean, 
without Mitchell Robinson, do, how much guarding do you have to do with Todd Gibson and Nerlens Noel? Not really a lot. So I think Capella will be able to, you know, maybe get a couple of cracks at Randall too. Uh, but I, I think it'll be it'll be a close. It'll like I mean, like we said, I, I six or seven games seems like guaranteed for this series. But uh, the crowd, if if this was a bubble series, I'd take Atlanta in six. But um, interesting, even only even only fifteen thousand people at the Garden is going to make a big impact. And honestly. With the way Atlanta is, I wouldn't be surprised if half the fans there end up being Knicks fans and it ends up being seven home games for New York. And in that case, I I could see New York winning in six. So I think they're going to be a lot of different factors um, because, yeah, I don't trust Atlanta fans to actually get out for it. And Knicks fans travel. And I mean, well, they'll travel now that their team is is relevant again. You know what's funny about you saying that? I remember – when the Knicks had Melo, and it was one time they, they had an ESPN game when they was playing in Atlanta, and it was a lot of Knicks jerseys out there, a lot of Knicks jerseys. And one thing I will say, just knowing Atlanta and knowing people that live in Atlanta, most people that leave New York to go down south, they live in Atlanta. So I could see a big Knicks conglomerate down in the A for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't be surprising if, if either team wins in six, it wouldn't be that surprising because I feel like both teams are kind of young. Um, not a lot of, you know, it's not really, a, neither team is playoff tested. Yeah. On the yeah. Knicks, it's like what Gibson and Rose are playoff tested. Who else on that roster is playoff tested? Thibodeau, of, of course. Yeah. Uh, but then on the Hawks, it's kind of the same story. Like Capella's been in the playoffs, he's yeah, been in the big moments. Lou Williams has been there for a while. Gallinari you said but like other than that it's like I mean like the Hawks roster it's like you've got like a bunch of 22 year olds on there they're all younger than me which is <laughs> kind of sad but um it's gonna be it I, I'd probably lean with Hawks in seven because I think they can lock up when they need to and I think it's just a little skewed because under McMillan they were a completely different team. Yeah. I think that for me, the reason I'm going Hawks and seven is so tricky, right? Cause I really think like, I almost want to flip a coin, you know, uh, if you're a gambling man, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. <laughs> you know, cause this one is probably the hardest. Uh, there's one more series that I think is equally as hard to predict. And we'll get to that one later. Uh, but this one is probably the toughest one for me to predict. The reason I'm giving Atlanta a ton of respect is the same reason that I looked at this team going into the year and said, this is going to work. This is going to be a really good team. And uh, I called them the dark horse from day one. And the reason I think they're still the dark horse is because now they add Lou Williams, but you have so much shooting. You have so many guys who can just go get you a bucket and, now that it is starting to come together and become a cohesive attack on the offensive end, uh, we're about to find out if this is your typical Tom Thibodeau team that has a really good regular season record and can't get it done in the playoffs. But then again, it's not like the Hawks are some real contender. The Thibodeau teams usually do get out of that first round. It's not talking to myself into it. Nixon seven in in Thibodeau. We trust whatever, whatever this one's going either way. (laughs) 
right. I would love to see Trey Young prove me wrong, though. I I, I will say that I, I would love to see Trey Young prove me wrong. I think that he will have a big coming out party in this series, no matter how it ends. And I do believe that this is a great opportunity for Atlanta's youth. Like, I know Abbas mm-hmm. talks about how this team is so young, but I think that's a great thing. You know, Kevin Herter is a talented, young, promising player in this league. DeAndre yeah. Hunter is a promising young player in this league as well. So, Clint Capella, you know, I believe he won a rebounding title this year. It was definitely in that top two conversation. He, he, I think this is a great experience for him to show just how much he's grown as a player since leaving Houston. So, I, I think this will be a real cool series to watch. And it's definitely going to be a flip of the coin and one not to bet your money on for sure. Absolutely. So, moving down or moving up, depending where you live, uh, moving up for us out of Chicago to Milwaukee. They're hosting the Miami Heat with the home court advantage. And I'm thinking this one really could go either way. I think this one smells like a seven-game series, too. And it's interesting because, like, the Heat are so mentally tough. And I do think that they've lost a step. I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Jay Crowder was such an important X factor for them. And it's a shame that Victor Oladipo isn't healthy for them because he'd make a a hell of an impact. But I'm leaning towards Milwaukee and I got them winning this one in six. Actually, I think that they are going to, I think this is the best bucks team we've seen Giannis be on. Uh, I think the difference maker for me is Drew Holiday. You're going to have three lockdown defenders in Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. I think they're going to be able to do a really good job guarding the three. And the Bucks score just as well as anybody in the league. And uh, Bobby Portis has been an excellent pickup for them. And you think about what he's brought to this team as far as being an excellent guy you can bring in for uh, the power forward or center spot, someone who can knock down the threes, someone who can rebound, someone who can honestly like go play some really big minutes and someone who brings an element of toughness to this team. Not to say they weren't already tough, but I think this is a tougher Bucks team and a better defensive Bucks team than we've seen in a while. And uh, it, it could be their year, but I'm going Bucks, maybe seven, maybe six. Honestly, I could see Milwaukee winning in five. I'm a Miami fan. I'm a Miami fan. But um, honestly, outside of Butler and and Bam this year, everybody has been underwhelming on that team. Harrow hit that sophomore slump. He hasn't been great. Robinson hasn't been great. And I think he's going to get just – I think he's going to get victimized against Milwaukee, especially since they have more weapons this year. Um None is, you know, still defense, still a work in progress. I think he's been inconsistent. Dragic looks old. Iguodala can't score anymore. Uh, Ariza is obviously such a downgrade from Crowder. Mm. Uh, they don't really have depth. They lost all their depth when they traded for Oladipo. I, I love Miami. I love Jimmy Butler. I'm a big, big Jimmy Butler fan. I think Adebayo is amazing too, mm-hmm. but um in I think bio does a great job two on players, two players can maybe help you like stay afloat in some games, but um I don't think it's enough when the other team has Middleton, Giannis, and Holiday. 
So I, if it ends in five, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe more six. But um, if Miami had been a little bit stronger this year, a little bit less injured all the time, then maybe I, it could have been a, a different story. But I honestly, I, I think Milwaukee can win this in five. Milwaukee also, like you said, Adam, they just seem like a much better team than they were last year. Even if the record doesn't show it, I think they were more willing to try new things this year. Um, and I think they'll be a lot more adaptable in the playoffs with Holiday rather than Bledsoe. Well put. Yeah, definitely upgrade for over uh, Bledsoe. Well, for me, when I when I look at Milwaukee, if this is the time for them, like now would be the time to show just how truly tired they they are the national media questioning them because I feel like all year it's been like we're gonna wait and see what they do when the playoffs come around. We're going to wait and see how Giannis Antetokounmpo either steps up his game or continues to play time and time again when the playoffs come around. And when I look at the Bucs, I see a team that is not as great as they were these last two seasons. Defensively, they tried to tinker with some things, play more zone, switch more screens. But they took a step back. However, they do have some additions that you all speak of, like Drew Holiday has been a key veteran presence on that team. P.J. Tucker, you know, a guy that they could play small ball five with if they want against this Heat team, specifically when they seek to play and at the five. But And I, I do think that it's a series that will go six or seven games for sure. I give the Bucks the advantage. However, you just never know. And in, 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 in the games between these two teams during the regular season, Jimmy Butler never played. Mm. And Jimmy Butler was arguably the biggest X factor last year besides Bam in these Milwaukee-Miami matchups. Yeah, so, I mean, you could make an argument he was the biggest X factor in the playoffs, period. Well, yeah, to, to a specific team with his veteran leadership and, yeah. and, and pedigree. But I, I, I just when I when I look at the Bucks, I I want to see Giannis take it upon himself to really play basketball at a slower pace. Everything ain't open court in the playoffs. You gotta know when to recognize and see a double and how to kick that out to guys like Middleton or Holiday when they're open mm-hmm. for three-point shots. You got to know when and where to attack and choose your spots. Everything is not going to come that easy for you this time of year. We're going to see whether or not he's found that out in this first round against Miami, who – yeah, they may not be as strong as they were last year. I do agree with the boss on that. Yeah, they, they have had guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero who were big-time impact players during their finals run off the bench. You know, like they, they, they haven't had a good year, but they are competitive. And they are a team that in the playoffs, you know, you're going to have hell to pay because Eric Spoelstra is one of the best coaches in the game. So – yeah. I, I think the Bucks is seven. 
will will, will take it, but I I I wonder if they have learned from postseason failures of past. And I think they will. And uh, before we move on, one random guy I'm going to throw out there is uh, I feel like Pat Connaughton has been really clutch lately, and he's somebody who's just a really underrated role player. He's an extremely great athlete. He is uh, one of the better rebounding guards in the NBA. And, you know, he put the Bulls away a a few weeks ago with some clutch threes late in the game. This obviously isn't the Bulls, but uh, the point I'm trying to make is the Bucs have a lot of guys who can shoot. They got a deep team, and I do think they get the job done. Um, I'm going Bucks and six is my official prediction. Now, this is the most disappointing series because if Jalen Brown was healthy, it would be a different series. But the Celtics have been like the Riddler from Batman Forever, just covered in question marks in green all season long. And they're going to get swept. I'm going to go out and say it. We don't even know how powerful the Nets are. And we're about to find out. And the scary thing is it fits. They are first in the NBA in field goal percentage. They're second in three-point percentage. And they're going to beat the hell out of Boston. This one's going to end. Maybe Jason Tatum like puts up 50. But even if he puts up 50, I think it's in a loss. I don't think the Celtics have a snowball's chance in hell. They don't. (laughs) In order to even still a game, you're talking about not only Jason Tatum playing at a high level, but you're going to need Kimball Walker to be deadly in the pick and roll game and coming with at least 30. If if Jason's going to try and get 40 or 50 for you on on a given night. So, you got to have that, and not only that, you got to find a way to limit turnovers and get back on defense in transition. Because if you don't, against this team, good luck. You know, if one goes off, you already in trouble. If two go off, you've already lost. If three go off, you might as well call the dogs off and just be like, hey, it's a wrap yeah. Early, because we we haven't seen a team with the offensive firepower that Brooklyn has in our life ever. Honestly, it's I, I, don't, I don't think I don't think I don't think we've ever seen this. And knowing just how focused James is and locked in for the playoffs, I'm excited to just see him in action with this team because for the first time in the last eight years. Matter of fact, for the first time in his whole career, he got a chance to really kind of chill a little bit. <laughs> you know, answering injury, and now that he's coming back, and the, the crazy part is, he really don't even have to score. You know, he can just play point guard and set guys up. My only concern with Brooklyn in this series is on the glass. Mm, interesting. The team that has gotten annihilated on the glass and outside of Nicholas Claxton, they, they struggle rebounding the ball because they switch so much and their bigs are always up and out on a perimeter. 
So they're going to have to do a lot of gang rebounding. I know Harden and guys like Durant, you know, can hold their own amongst the trees and get boards, but they're going to have to do that by committee. But outside of that, I mean, I don't really see too many glaring issues. And I, I think the Nets beat them in five. I get it as a game, but that's it. Okay. Yeah, I think one game at most. Too many question marks. I, I agree. One game at most. Um, Brooklyn's going to have some fun. I'm looking forward to watching Bruce Brown guard Tatum. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't see anything. I don't see any way Boston gets more than a game at most. Maybe with they, when they go back home for game three, maybe they pick up that game three, but that, that seems like it. Yeah. Um, who, who knows? Boston, they're, they're tough to beat in Boston. Uh, moving across the bracket to the Western Conference, the other two versus seven. This one's interesting. Normally you don't see a seven seed is the favorite, but that's the case for obvious reasons. The Lakers are healthy. They're going to have a hell of a challenge against the Phoenix Suns. And Phoenix is going to take game one. I do think that. But I do think that the Lakers get the series. And I think that they. this is a six or seven to me. Uh, it's just you can't really bet against LeBron. And on the other side of that, Chris Paul, is he? He's never been to the. Did he get to the conference finals once? He got to the conference yeah. finals. Yeah, twenty-seven missed threes. He uh, and, and he's had some bad luck in the playoffs, but like, he's. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think it's going to be enough. I'm a hater, so I'm going to take Phoenix in seven. Ooh. Ooh. All right. You have Just the floor, because I'm boss. a hater, I'm going to take Phoenix in seven. Honestly, I, I, I don't think this is going to be like a quick series. I think Phoenix oh, I think it's, over, yeah. overlooked. They're really getting overlooked. I mean, it's not like – look, they don't have like that, that you know, the prototypical wing who can like, you know, really take it to LeBron. But they have Bridges. They have Crowder. I think Aiton's going to get eaten alive by Anthony Davis. But even like LeBron, like even in that, in that play-in game, what, he hit like the deepest go-ahead shot of his career. He didn't look that healthy. He yeah, he yeah. seemed a little hesitant on the drives and everything. So I don't know. I mean, it is LeBron. So like, <laughs> I feel like you could break a bone and he'd still come out and play and still put up thirty. But um, he doesn't look healthy at all. And even Anthony Davis didn't look great at all in the first half against Golden State. So. I think Phoenix has a chance. They they have the right type of team to kind of take it to uh, L.A. They have a lot of different wings. Bridges can guard LeBron or guard, pretend to guard LeBron. Crowder can pretend to guard LeBron. Uh, whenever they go to the bench, like <laughs> Saric and, and Frank Kaminsky, <laughs> if they have to guard A.D., they're going to get eaten alive as well. So uh, I think Anthony Davis is going to have a lot of fun this series. But, um, I mean, the Lakers really don't – they don't have a – you know, Caruso is Caruso. K, you know, Kentavious, I like Caruso. Kentavious, but they don't really have an answer on the perimeter for, for Booker and, and Chris Paul. So, I think it's going to be a closer series than, um, than people in L.A. would like to say. 
I, I do think they'll, they'll throw Wesley Matthews on him, you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Lakers are a really good defensive team. I don't think we can take that away from them. And LeBron just finds a way to get these one, you know? But he, he is, uh, you know, they lose a lot of game ones. That's why I went out on a limb and said that they're going to give up game one. But then they're going to respond like they always do. But they only have, uh, let up 106.8 points per game. That's the second best in the league. And so I think it's going to be interesting. I think that L.A. is going to be able to kind of like slow down the pace. And uh, Anthony Davis, man. Everyone talks about LeBron because it's LeBron. But like Anthony Davis is probably the best player on that team right now at this point in their careers. And that's a big with guard skills. It's going to be a matchup nightmare. He's really shot pretty poorly from three this year. I didn't realize he was only shooting 26% from three. But I think those numbers wake up a little bit in the playoffs. Uh, L.A. has the versatility to play any game they need to, and they're so crazy deep. But I, I do think that Phoenix is giving them a hell of a lot of trouble. Yeah, in game one. <laughs> um. Here's how I see that series playing out. And I and I said it in the fourth quarter a Golden State LA in a playing game. I, I, I feel extremely bad for Chris Paul. Here's a guy that has only finished with a top two seed in the West or better three times in his career. He's only been at the top once. The one time he had the one seed was when he was with Houston. And he got within a game of reaching the finals, even though he fell with a hamstring injury in game five. And the 27 missed threes weren't really on his part because I really believe had that happened, or it wouldn't have happened had he been out there because he would have gotten in that mid-range area floor like he had been doing. But anyway, just focusing now, now he got to go up against the godfather, his kid, who is motivated and in the second half alongside of his Lakers team in that playing game the other night, started to find some momentum, started to find their rhythm, started to become more connected with each other defensively and finally looked like they were gathering some level of continuity with one another. You put those pieces all together which I do think they can do and build off of that momentum that they were able to capture on Wednesday night, you have trouble. This is not your average seven seed. We all know that had LeBron been healthy and AD been healthy, that the yeah. Lakers would have been a top three team in the Western Conference. Without With question. Said, without question. With all of that said, I expect the Lakers to win this series in five games. Sons, they have no answers for Anthony Davis. We saw that in the, in the last game that they played in the regular season amongst one another. Now, yeah, Monty Williams, he wanted to high Aiden because Aiden was in foul trouble that night or what have you. He didn't want to show the whole kitchen sink. However, this is the thing. Yeah, you could put DeAndre Aiden on Anthony Davis, but then when you do that, you know what that allows Anthony Davis to do? It allows him to use the guard-like skills that you mentioned, Adam, that he has, mm-hmm. and they expose him. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen. And, and I want to I wanna point this out. When 
people, I, I like Phoenix. I really do. But Phoenix to me has the same type of problem that the Dallas Mavericks had last year, even though Phoenix is more talented. Huh. They're young, they're inexperienced, they're still trying to learn how to win games of close magnitude. Yeah, that's a really good point, especially because this is a team that started to get up together, but they were bad in overtime. And they struggled late in games, and I think that that's a factor. And the Lakers, led by LeBron James, of course, are so battle-tested. And what makes them so interesting is they're such a big team but they have big players who can play small ball really well. Makes them a great uh, matchup against like a run and gun team like Phoenix, but Phoenix will get their games. They will get their games, but I'm also going Lakers and six. Yeah. I, I just, when I, when I look at it, I, I say Lakers and five, and, and I know that's a bold take to some, it's no disrespect to Phoenix. Like I said, I'm a, I love Devin Booker. I love to watch him play. I think he'll have some great games in this series. However, this is the last matchup that you would have ever wanted, I believe, if you were a Phoenix Suns fan or Chris Paul fan. After all the work that they put in to get a top two seed and to have to go up against the defending champs, and this is the Suns' first playoff appearance in 11 years? Jeez. Yeah. Tough stuff. (laughs) Tough stuff. All right, moving on now. This one's wild. Oh, if only Jamal Murray's healthy, this team might be a legit contender. But instead, not only is Jamal Murray out, but so is Will Barton and P.J. Dozier. Meanwhile, Portland's the healthiest they've been all season. And this is very fun uh, for podcasting because – me and Abbas are both Bulls fans, but we both have our secondary teams. Mine is the Nuggets. You know, my side team, let's call them. My side team's the Nuggets. This side team's the Blazers. And so it's the battle of the side pieces. And so, oh, naturally, Gabriel, you have the floor before me and Abbas bicker. <laughs> I, I, I mean, a rematch of the 2019 Western Conference semifinals. And we all know Portland took that seven games, but Man, I, I I like Denver in this series. I think this is a series that goes seven games as well. However, mm-hmm. the key to me is what it's always been when when looking at the Denver Nuggets, man, and, and, and specifically Nikola Jokic. They've done an impressive job of guarding the pick and roll all season long, the Nuggets. I have to give it to them. However, now you got a lethal killer in, in – Damian Lillard, who has exploited the Nuggets mm-hmm. from beyond the arc this season. I think he's had to shoot over 40% from three in almost every matchup that they've had. And just going back and watching tape and whatnot, like, Jokic is going to be put on notice. And how he responds when he's out there on the island, having to defend these guys will be key, extremely key. Michael Porter Jr. is going to be extremely key. He's been playing some impressive basketball. I think he's ready to take that next step. I think he begins it with his playoffs. And I I still like Denver in spite of all the injuries. But, man, like, one thing about Portland, you know they battle-tested. Yeah. But but I also have concerns about Portland as well. Defensively, 
Yeah, they got a little bit better after the All-Star break. Yeah, Norman Powell right. helps tremendously. Yeah, yeah huge. So does Nurkic being healthy. Mm-hmm. Huge two, huge two presences in their lineup, but I just, at the end of the day, I, I'm going to give it to Denver. I'm, I'm going to give it to Denver. If, if Nikola Jokic really wants to submit his MVP run, I feel like this would be the series to do it, even though I know that the MVP vote is closed and it's final and that'll be announced in the months to come. But this would really be the series to show why he is truly worthy of the MVP award. He's the best player on the floor. And I think that the Nuggets can skate by without Jamal Murray because of how talented Jokic is as a playmaker. And I think Michael Porter Jr. is the guy who's benefited more than anyone. And uh, Murray went out because now he's been able to step into those shoes and guess what they fit. And Michael Porter Jr. is someone who's going to be one of the best scorers in the NBA for the next decade. He's not a flash in the pan. I don't think people realize how dangerous he is. And I think that the jersey sales of Porter Jr. are going to skyrocket in the playoffs because this is his chance to... Because the Nuggets, even though they've been a really good team all, all year, it's not like they're a darling like the Lakers or the Clippers or even the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic, like uh, they don't always, or, or Damian Lillard, people like love to talk about Damian Lillard, but like the Nuggets are kind of like underlooked a lot. But now that they have the spotlight, I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to be like, Hey, by the way, here's a 50 piece. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, Michael Porter Jr. will drop 50 in a game in this series. And I think Jokic will too. And I don't think that, um, they're going to have an answer for Jokic. Nurkic is going to do his best and you're going to see Cantor on him and Jokic is going to eat Cantor alive. And I think you've seen that next level out of Jokic. All this to say, I don't know who wins this series. I think it's a lock to go seven games. Uh, and so I guess that means I go Nuggets because it's at altitude, right? Uh, they're a really tough team to beat at home. And so if it does go seven games, I don't see Denver losing in seven. I also think the addition of Aaron Gordon made this team so much more versatile. And I feel like that pickup had, we need to beat LeBron James written all over it, you know, to have an athletic uh, guy like that, who's going to be able to help defensively and kind of fill that void that Jeremy Grant left. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going nuggets in seven. It's going to take some serious heroics, but the Blazers are playing better defense than they have all year. Norman Powell, Robert Covington, and I'm glad you brought up Rob. Yeah, and, and Yusuf Nurkic are all going to be he's key. Been playing well, and, and Rob, he's a local guy. What what school he go to? Viso West. Okay, there we go. Yeah, and so he's a Chicago kid, and they're going to be able to match up. They're going to put Rocco on Michael Porter Jr. I just think he's going to get his buckets anyway. Uh, but both these teams kind of shallow in the backcourt, especially the Nuggets with their injuries. But I think the front court's going to be the difference maker. I think that Jokic is the best player in the series, and that's going to be the difference maker. Jokic may be the best player in this series, but I'm going to tell you this. If Denver really still wants to make that Western Conference Finals run and, like, the shock the world run, not even just this year, but in the foreseeable future. 
Michael Porter Jr. is the X factor to that. Absolutely. And I, mean, I do believe at some point he's going to have to emerge yeah. as Denver's top threat offensively. I completely Take agree. Take the pressure off of Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Like what Nikola Jokic is doing right now is, is, is something to behold. Don't get me wrong. Um, but winning a championship through a big, I'm not saying it can't be done. It has, but in this era, that that would be a, a unprecedented feat. Well, honestly, and, I would compare it to the LeBron James effect, right? LeBron James like needed Dwayne Wade, he needed Kyrie Irving, he needed Anthony Davis. Like he's such a natural facilitator that he really does play better when he has someone to feed. But this is the difference, though. LeBron was an athletic force of nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nikola Jokic is showing you that you don't have to have that. Yeah. Nikola Jokic, to me, is more so like... He's not not like in in regards to style of play, but he's to Denver what Hakeem Olajuwon was to Houston in the 90s. Mm-hmm. To me, that that's what he is. He's the staple and the centerpiece of that franchise. And if not for him, where would they be? Nowhere. Not in the playoffs. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Abbas, I know you got Blazers in four. I got Blazers in seven. Okay, but half okay. Of me there wants it is. them to lose. What? Because then, because you want Terry Stotts then, fired. Then Terry Stotts will get fired for oh. sure. Oh. Oh my god! <laughs> like yo, I think Terry Stotts is uh, and he's a nice coach, but like man, he has um, I think he's been there for a bit too long. They they are a little bit too loyal. I think they should have, they should have cleared house a couple years ago, cause um, or at least fired the GM after all that crap he did in 2016 when he morphed you know four hard years to their to future with all those deals. What was that? Do you know how hard it is to build a winner in Portland? You yeah, have to I be- know. I, it, 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 you know, it is. It, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. I, I feel like they can, for for this series specifically, I think they can win. I think they can win in seven. They've been playing better defense since, um, at least since Nurkic got healthy and Powell came over. Um, I mean that they're, they're probably. I mean, I don't. I don't think either of these teams is getting anything anywhere further than the second round. But uh, you know, I think it'll be close games and close games. You know, Damian Lillard does his thing, um, and I, I don't. There really isn't anybody in that backcourt who's going to guard at a high level um, for Denver. So I mean, what it's going to be? They're going to put Faku on him. and and Faku's going to annoy the shit out of him, man. Who? Faku's going to annoy him. Yeah, yeah, but l- l- I mean, like, dude, Compazzo is going to put up a, a fight against Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Yeah, he'll he'll get under his skin. Yeah, I think McCollum yeah. and Lillard are going to they're going to combine for 60, 70 points a game this series. Yeah, and if they have no, if they if they can't stop those two at all, Blazers could win in six. But honestly, I see seven games. It's going to be an amazing series. It's going to be an amazing series. I think it's a lot different than the one from uh, two years ago. I think back then, at least Denver had some defenders on the perimeter. Jokic has gotten so, so much better since then. That's the key. Yeah, what Jokic has gotten better, that? but in, in, yeah. just in terms of the guard play, I think Lillard and McCollum are going to do whatever they want. And honestly, I think the Blazers are a better team now than they were two years ago. 
Mm. I think they, they're a little bit, uh, they've got better defenders. Yeah. The record isn't as good and they, they're not the three seed this year, but they had, I mean, Powell's a lot better than Harkless or Aminu or any Powell's of the other role players they had Powell's that year. Robert Covington's better than any games. of the role peer players yeah. those other years. And and last and that year it was Cantor as the starting center. You got My- yeah. Myers Leonard coming yeah. off the bench. But you know the difference you know, is of- you're not going to the Western Conference uh-huh. final. You're not this is the difference. You're not going to the Western Conference final. The role is much harder. And this is the difference too. In this between these two things, Portland was way more experienced and battle tested two years ago compared to Denver. Ah, Denver got more point. game sevens under Denver. Denver have been yeah, in game I'm sevens not, now. I'm not talking about. I'm not. I'm not comparing them to each other. I'm comparing Portland to what they were two years ago. They're a lot better as a team right now than they were two years ago. I'm not saying yeah. they're better. That I'm not saying they've improved more than Denver has. Obviously, Denver's improved more. Look at Jokic. Jokic's MVP. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not saying that 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 Portland is more improved than Denver. I'm saying they're a better okay. team than they were two years ago. Denver could go down. Better team than they were two years ago. We're, we're about to think, find out. I still think without Jamal Murray, they can beat Denver in seven or six. But I mean, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a close series. I like you said, the home court advantage is gonna be there for for Denver, hundred percent. Um, Denver so, could yeah, go maybe, three games and they wouldn't blink. It could be three to zero, and Denver's like, whatever, we'll win in seven. <laughs> That's the confidence they have carrying over from last year. Yeah, I, I mean, but I, I think w- without Murray, it's going to be tough. Portland yeah. has no answer on defense for Jokic. Yeah, or or Michael Porter, honestly. And people but don't talk about how Murray turned into a new. They'll put up a fight. They'll perimeter put up a fight. defender, like not just a good one, like Murray. <laughs> The advanced numbers will tell you who's one of the very best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And so it's, it's going to be interesting. Anyway, moving on. We got another good one here. I don't know who's got a coin. Luca versus Kawhi. Uh, I'm leaning towards the Clippers. I think people kind of like forget how good Kawhi Leonard is. He's so efficient. And he's got that next level. And that's why I do think. Yeah, I mean, but Clippers in six, Clippers in five. <laughs> Ooh, you're that confident. I think the Clippers are better this year than last year. They're, they're finally healthy. They got, they've got the playoff god, Rajon, Rajon Rondo. <laughs> I mean, like, come on. Like, are we, are we saying, look, I think Dallas was better last year than this year. I think you could make a case that Dallas was at least they could score. At least they had other guys who could score. You're relying on like Josh Richardson, who since he left Miami forgot how to score. Um, I mean, they're really uh, what Tim Hardaway is your third option. I don't, I I don't have a lot of faith in Dallas, and I think uh, both Paul George and Kawhi are 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 kind of on the on a better wavelength this year than last year. Um, and, and honestly, I could see it ending in five. I think, I think the Clippers are out to prove that, that they, that they belong. And honestly, I could, I, I, I see them in the conference finals and I don't think Dallas is going to make it like a six or seven game thing. Maybe Doncic alone because of how good he is can, can steal two games, but I don't really see it going any further than, than that. I think, especially like, I mean, Adam, you said, I feel like we've forgotten how good Kawhi is because, he seems to take a lot of the regular season off 
especially with all the different <laughs> injuries that he ends up having every regular season. But um, I, I think the Clippers are going to dominate. Okay. To me, this is the most interesting series in the West. You got two teams that love to take jump shots. And on any given day in the NBA, as we know, it's a make or miss league. Paul George and playoffs pass has had some ice cold shooting performances. He's played fantastic basketball as of late. And he does seem like he's a man that's on a mission to get whatever superstardom that he lost recaptured. However, Dallas, I don't know if y'all remember, but um, when the Clippers, you know, came out hot to start the season, remember they came to L.A. on a Sunday at the Staples Center, and they beat them by 51. And Luka had a field day with him. Mm. And Dallas usually plays the Clippers very tough. And let's just say, you know, Kristaps Porzingis can, can be, you know, that player that he was a, a show in the bubble before the playoffs last year. He went down with injury. Yeah. And if he doesn't Clippers, get hurt, maybe they win that series. The Clippers, exactly. The Clippers are not the strongest team. Down low at, at the five. Oh, it sounds like you're going Dallas. No, I'm not going <laughs> He's Dallas. like, no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not going Dallas. But I will say this. I wouldn't be shocked if it did happen because the Clippers are to the west what the Bucks are to the east to me. They have to show us. Okay. They have to show us. And they have to prove it. You know, like they have a talented team on paper. They got guys that can shoot the lights out from three. They got seven guys on their team that shooting over thirty six percent from long range. They 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 they've been impressive lately. But I mean, the playoffs is a different monster. It's a different well, monster. I, I like say, I, know I like Boogie. I like the additions that they made. But I really, really, really have to see. And I and I give this to the Ty Lu. One thing I will say about Ty Lue as opposed to the doc, he will make adjustments. But if I would not be shocked, I would not be shocked. And you say if Luka can steal a game, I mean, he stole a game last year in the playoffs against these guys. Yeah. I mean, you you bring up the 50-point game. I just want to say, like, Kawhi didn't play that game. And I feel Steel. like this, this team is different. I mean, Luke Kennard's not starting anymore. They got Rondo. I think it's a they're they're a lot different from what they were at the beginning of the year. They are, but this is the thing. When you get beat by 50 on your own home floor, like okay, Kawhi's not playing, but Paul George is. That says a lot about your, your team. Like you gotta have some pride when you got superstars in the building. You doing that at Staples. I don't care if there's no fans there or it's thousands. You have that that's that's a bad look like Dallas. Dallas takes it to the Clippers. This is going to be a very interesting matchup. And oh we, like gosh. I said, both of these teams like to take jump shots too. So, like, if you're having a night where you cold from the field, anything can happen. Mavs in seven. Mavs in seven. Mavs in seven. I'm switching. I'm switching. Uh, Here I'm we go. go that far. <laughs> if it does happen, though, I'll be off Twitter for a couple of days. i tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I like Luka, but I'll be on Twitter for a couple of days to have. 
We'll see. We'll see. I think this one's uh, a coin flip series. It's, it go either way. But you convinced me. I was going Clippers in seven. But yeah, I forgot. They beat them by 50. And um, I think Chris Tapps is such an X factor. And he's got to be aggressive. He's got to gobble up rebounds. Mavs in seven. All right. So we already determined that the Warriors will be facing the Utah Jazz. Maybe it's the Warriors. Maybe it's the Grizzlies. I would love to recite a soliloquy about how magical Steph Curry is and how Draymond Green is going to be so fantastic and about how Jordan Poole is going to just have a poetic series and that the Warriors are the little engine that, that, that could. But, but this isn't PBS. This isn't the children's hour. This is real life. And the Utah Jazz stifling defense and adjustments that they've made from last season where they've doubled down on what works for them, they are going to sweep, maybe go five against the Golden State Warriors. They're going to lock them down. They're, oh, you know what? Let me check on some health, though. Let me check on some health because that, that's key. Utah's been a little dinged up. Mitchell's coming back for the first game. Okay. So he, hasn't played, he hasn't played in over a month. It's some change, by the way. What about that's Conley? Yeah. What about Conley? I'm looking at the injuries right now. Because that's a fact. I thought they were both supposed to come back for the first game. They are. Okay. Yeah, Jazz, Jazz in like five. I mean, Steph Curry's great. He's he'll he'll probably be good enough to steal a game, but the Jazz are like there's a reason they have the best record in the NBA, and they have I don't even I'll, I'll count it right now. I'll pull up the stats. How many guys they got shooting over fifty or over forty percent from three? Joe Ingles shooting a scorching forty six percent from three this year. They're fourth in points per game, one hundred sixteen, and that goes along in hand with them doubling down on getting those open looks. They're number one in three points made. They're fourth in percentage at uh, 38.9. Mitchell shoots 38.6. Royce O'Neal, who's really blossomed, is 38.5. Bogey, 39. Conley, 41.2. Uh, Ingles dropped down to 45.1. Jordan Clarkson, 34.7. Georges Niang, 42.5. Like this team will space you out and terrorize you. And if you had Clay Thompson, they could match the firepower, but you don't. And so I don't care if it's Grizzlies. I don't care if it's the Warriors, Jazz and five. If it's the Grizzlies, Jazz and four. I'm going to say Jazz and five if they play Memphis. If the Jazz play Golden State, I say Utah and six. And the oh, only reason why is because. You got to account for the fact that you getting Donovan Mitchell back and Mike Conley back. And these two guys are the key cognates to Utah's attack. Why? Because they're the only guys that can really create dribble penetration and kick it and driving and kick it without looking like they don't, they don't have to just score to get theirs. Like they know how to set other guys up. Like, they play with a lot of stationary players. The ball movement that has been generated is what's led to a lot of that success that you're seeing when you look at those three-point numbers, I think, in Utah. That ball movement, they have that ball moving. 
when they have Mitchell and Conley out there, but it's because of what they're able to do and how they're able to exploit and pick apart defense. And, um, you know, I think Utah wins no matter what, but that Golden State series, it could get a little tricky, man, because I start hitting shots, I give it to them. I mean, it's just, they got to get those two guys back in rhythm. Utah can't win without without Mitchell and Conley in that lineup. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I think Utah has a legit chance to go to the NBA championship. And that's a story for another day. Yeah, uh, they do. You know, because, like, there's no point in getting beyond uh, this first round. That's what this show's dedicated to. Uh, but I will say that Utah's that dangerous, and I think that they – uh, to quote Michael Jordan, took it personally. You know, they took it personally. They know that no one believes in them, and that's uh, bulletin board material. Abbas, what are your thoughts? Uh, if it's Memphis, Utah in four. If it's Golden State, Utah in five. Okay. I like Golden State this year. I'm probably going to end up hating them again next year when they're, uh, you know, closer to the top half of the West. <laughs> but uh, I'm mean, like, they really just like, we, they they showed it against the Lakers too, like the the five minutes that Curry doesn't play or the five minutes that Green doesn't play. I feel like they get outscored by like fifteen. Doomed. Doomed. Yeah. Um, and and that even when they're there, I don't know how much they're going to be able to hang against against Utah. It's a good. I think it's it's a pretty decent matchup for them, but um, getting anything in the paint is going to be tough uh, against freaking Gobert. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just don't think they have the defense to deal with the like eight, nine options that Utah has. So yeah. Utah, Utah's getting slapped on. Uh, it'll be funny if they lose in the first round or get dominated in the second round. I think it'll just be funny to see it happen. But um, I think they're a pretty competent team. They lucked out. They lucked out with the Warriors beating uh, LA and LeBron having that that miracle shot because otherwise Utah would be looking at a first round exit. <laughs> That's really who I wanted to see. Like, I, w- I wanted, I wanted to see Lakers and James. I think it would have been a lot of fun. Gobert and Davis yeah. and then, you know, throwing everybody at LeBron. It would have been a really fun matchup. I think it would have been, it would have been fun to see Phoenix golden state too, because Curry and Paul would have been an, another insane yeah. matchup between yeah. those two. Then Draymond, um, but it, it would have fit so well with like you know Gobert and Gobert and Davis, uh, LeBron versus Utah. That Plus they, LeBron they kind of and that, that you know that inside style. Yeah, uh, it, it would have fit really perfectly. Uh, Phoenix would have liked it too. <laughs> so, and LeBron uh, and Salt Lake City. That. LeBron and Salt Lake City. No distractions. All the rest, you know, because there's nothing much to do Dude, with Salt Lake City. Yeah. We'll, we'll get like a point. You know, like, like, this would have been a great Laker Road trip. Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> I have a feeling they'll be meeting in a few rounds. We'll put it that way. Uh, anyway, folks, that's all we, the time we got today on the Hoops Thomas podcast. Thank you, Abbas and Gabriel, for jumping on with me. Uh, we'll see you next time.